0: Hello again. Welcome to the QuackCast, the skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of supplements, complementary, and alternative medicine, i.e. scams. This is brought to you, as always, by the Persiflager's Annotated Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Opinion and Dogma, your uber-hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases at pusware.com where you will also find the Persiflage's Puscast to review twice a month of the infectious disease literature, now CME accredited. Because the world needs more Mark Chrislop. you can find my occasional scribblings at sciencebasedmedicine.org and my relatively new blog, Rubor, Dolor, Kalor, more also available at pusware.com. Now... For those of you who have asked, am I still doing these podcasts? Yes, I am. I realize that the interval between each podcast is growing, but each podcast takes more time than the last. My kids are getting older, I'm getting slower, and when my youngest is off to college in seven years, I expect I will have more time for podcasting, or probably getting a second job at Burgerville based on the current economy. First off, reader mail. One listener commented that meat does indeed contain vitamin C, and that is true for the most part. Now, not all meat contains vitamin C, and I subsist primarily on guinea pig and orangutan, so I at least need some vitamin C supplements. And that's it for the email. Keep those cards and letters coming. Now, on to the podcast. This try by Octacepta annual podcast is on energy therapies. Now there are a wide variety of energy therapies and different kinds of energies in the field of scams. Energy to scam proponents seems to be the modern equivalent of the ether. These energies can oscillate, vibrate, harmonize, flow. They can be blocked, altered, and manipulated. They sound like something that should be sold at an adult bookstore. But these energies can never be measured or demonstrated to exist. And what exactly these energies are is never defined. So, first, let's, shall we, wander off into science and talk about energy. Now, a long time ago, last century, I dabbled a wee bit in physics. It was my undergrad degree. Much has changed in the world of physics since my undergrad days, and much has faded from my memory with the passage of time, which, as I have a nice middle aged paunch now and therefore more mass, time does move slower for me than it does for you, skinny whippersnappers in the audience get off my lawn, punk. What, however, from the concept of physics is energy? Well, energy is the ability to do work. Yep, to do work. So every teenage boy has zero energy. But what is work, you ask? Well, work is the quantity of energy transferred from one system to another without an accompanying transfer of entropy. Ugh, kind of makes your brain hurt. So I will quote the ever-helpful source of information for the lazy, a.k.a. the Wikipedia, and here goes. Quote, different forms of energy, including kinetic, potential, thermal, gravitational, sound, light, elastic, electromagnetic, chemical, nuclear, and mass, have been, all right, here's the emphasis, defined to explain all known natural phenomenon. So if the human body has an energy, it should, being natural, have one of these kinds of energy. The human body should be able to participate in all these forms of energy. Perhaps one of these are the elusive source of CAM energies that are so frequent in the world of scams in the diagnosis and therapy. So let's check out each of these energies with my usual tedium. Kinetic energy is the energy of movement. Run into a wall. You will do some work on the wall as part of your energy of motion is transferred to the wall and the cartilage of your nose. Scam energies are involved with the banging of a head on a brick wall, but these are only used by those of us who critically evaluate these modalities. Potential energy. This is what my son has on the couch, which, when he falls off, turns into kinetic energy until he hits the floor when he develops kinetic energy. There's thermal energy. The energy of spontaneous human combustion. There's gravitational energy. My mass is attracting matter from somewhere in the vicinity of Betelgeuse. Sound energy. Variable in its efficacy, my wife wonders at times if she makes no sound or if I am going deaf. If a wife talks in a room to her husband and he forgets to listen, does she make a sound? There's light energy. This is like real energy with less calories. Elastic energy. What you get from elastic. This is the source of energy of a wedgie. electromagnetic energy, the energy that comes out of the socket and powers my computer. Chemical energy. Now, this is mostly what powers us. The energy in chemical bounds that is stored in fat, I have more energy than you, and ATP. And when we get off the couch to mow the lawn, the energy in these chemical bounds is converted to mowing and drinking beer. Our muscles work on chemical energy. Our brain thinks based on chemical energy. Our entire body runs on chemical energy. There's the nuclear energy, the strong and the weak force, and these that hold the nucleus of the atom together. And then there's the energy that's in all mass, the famous equation of Einstein, E equals MC Hammer, I mean, mc squared. And if you could convert all my mass into energy, boy, would you have a mess. Now all the energies mentioned above can be measured, and they derive their origin from the fundamental forces that govern the universe the strong force, the weak force, electromagnetism and gravity. Physics understands energy, where it comes from and where it goes. And then there is this dark energy, what powers Morrissey and some of the older Cure songs. It makes up 70% of the universe and no one knows yet what dark energy is. Perhaps it powers scams, or maybe this is a new form of scam in the making. I intermittently Google the phrase dark energy therapy on the internet and I've had no hits yet. But just you wait. I predict it will happen, and when it does, I'm going to say that my psychic powers are obvious and claim the million-dollar JREF prize. You hear that, Randy and Plate? I'm a-coming for your money. Because someday, somebody's going to have an alternative modality that either manipulates or removes dark energies. But these are the known energies of the universe, and none of them, it would appear, account for the energies of various scams, Because none of these purported energies can be measured, and all the above can be measured. And we have the ability to detect things with incredible sensitivity. As an example, the Voyager spacecraft is 9 billion miles from Earth. It's out past Pluto's orbit. And we can still pick up its signal from a transmission that is less than needed to light an electric bulb. It is a 20-watt transmitter. It is 9 billion miles from Earth, and we can detect it. If we can detect that, we can detect any of these imaginary energies of energy therapies. At least one would think, if they exist. Trying to exactly define these energies in scams is difficult, and there appear to be two types, but they overlap. The scam field is not noted for the rigorousness of their thought. There are the life energies, the force that accounts for being alive. We have to be more than bone and meat and gristle powered by chemical bonds and Twinkies and the Coke we consume. That's Coca-Cola, not cocaine. Life has to be more than mere chemistry. So they postulate a life force. This type of energy is classically referred to as vitalism. And it is the energy that separates us from inert matter. Except, of course, again, my eldest son sitting there on the couch. There are energies that flow through us. These like key or chi or however the hell you pronounce it. Every time I say this, somebody writes me a letter, corrects my various pronunciation. And the Wikipedia gives more spellings depending on this culture. So... Instead of calling it worthless Chinese energy construct piece of crap, I'm going to keep it simple and keep calling it chi. Live with it. And then there's the innate intelligence, IQ10, of chiropractic. As a commentator on the science-based medicine blog said, quote, innate intelligence, while it does come off sounding quite hokey, duh, is really just a construct used to explain away an as of yet unexplainable force that certainly exists, end quote so there has to be something that makes us alive well he got the first part right now there are energies also that surround us these tend to be auras and these are energies that can be sensed and manipulated by therapeutic touch practitioners examples of this energy healing include reiki the energy manipulated by therapeutic touch and the other innumerable energy therapies that are based on forms of energy that cannot be measured and cannot exist under the current standing of the physics of the world. What process is generating the energy of these alternative modalities? Energy, as a rule, has to be created from some physical process, and there is not a special unique intracellular furnace that makes a new and undiscovered form of energy that powers the key or the field manipulated by therapeutic touch or innate intelligence. Except, of course, Superman, who, as I understand it, can convert sunlight into nuclear power. I once saw a drawing of the process in some journal or other. I think it was The Adventures of Superman. I don't quite remember the specifics and cannot find the reference on Medline, but Superman can convert energy of the yellow sun into a unique energy. But not everyone can be Clark Kent. So if you are picky about physical processes and you understand the source of energy, you quickly realize that these energies are crap, total crap. It makes no sense physically and are probably, being an Occam's razor kind of guy, the result of humans' inexhaustible ability to fool themselves and others. Now, if you get taxpayer money and like to be a weasel, you can describe these energies as putative. And here comes a long quote from the National center of complementary and an alternative waste of money in contrast putative this is the weasel word of the day energy fields also called biofields have defied measurement to date by reproducible methods wonder why therapies involving putative energy fields are based on the concepts that human beings are infused with a subtle form of energy So subtle that no one can detect it. This vital energy or life force is known under different names in different cultures. Such as Qi in traditional Chinese medicine, the vital energy or life force proposed to regulate a person's spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical health and to be influenced by the opposing forces of yin and yang. Sounds like a Kung Fu fight. In traditional Chinese medicine, a whole medical system that originated in China it is based on the concept that disease results from the disruption of the flow of qi and imbalance in the forces of yin and yang. Practices such as herbs, meditation, massage, and acupuncture seek to aid healing by restoring the yin and yang balance and the flow of qi. Qi in the Japanese Kampo system, doshas, in the Ayurvedic I can never pronounce that, medicine system, which is from India. It aims to integrate the body, the mind, and the spirit to prevent and treat disease. Vital energy is believed to flow throughout the material human body. Madonna would like that. But it has not been unequivocally measured by means of conventional instrumentation. Nevertheless, therapists claim that they can work with this subtle energy, see it with their own eyes, and use it to affect change in the physical body and influence health. End quote. That is your tax dollars in action. Or perhaps the single word inaction or lack of action. Some jokes just work better on the printed page. I have covered Key in the acupuncture podcast, and I have covered innate intelligence in the chiropractic podcast. Innate intelligence. Chiropractic has all the innate intelligence of Trisomy 21. It should be called innate Down syndrome. By the way, since I'm sure I will get a letter or two from the above comment, I am named in part after my Trisomy 21 Uncle Alden. Much to the delight of my brother, who always makes a point of mentioning it. So, let's cover two energy therapies here. Reiki and therapeutic touch. Reiki first. The history of Reiki. So many of these alternative modalities have an origin story that's more akin to the writing of a poem or a song. Rarely do they have any grounding in the understanding of science. There is often an epiphany brought on by drugs or other stresses, and voila, you have Stairway to Heaven, or you have Yesterday. Or if you combine the epiphany with a complete lack of understanding of biological and physical science, instead of getting a day in the life, you get a new scam modality. It might be chiropractic, it might be homeopathy, or it might be Reiki. Reiki was invented by Dr. Makao Usui. I'm not good at pronouncing Japanese. Evidently, he was not much of a success in life, either professionally or personally. Most of us live out our failures in quiet desperation, and the worst we might inflict upon other people is to go on the Dr. Phil show and whine about it. Instead, Dr. Usui went to Mount Kurama in 1922, all stressed out, and he meditated for a couple of weeks. And the result was this epiphany called Riki. They say he, quote, discovered Reiki, like Columbus discovered America, like Fleming discovered penicillin, like Bush discovered weapons of mass. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe that last discovery was not so good. But discovering is an interesting term, isn't it? Did he look under a rock? Did he use an e-meter? Did he use some omphaloskepsis? I don't know. It doesn't say. I think you discover reality and you don't discover fiction. What he had was a mystical revelation one does not discover mystical revelations. But saying he discovered it gives it the patina of scientific respectability that saying God told me lacks. Discover makes it sound like he did experiments, measured outcomes, reviewed some data, and found a new phenomenon. What did he discover? He discovered, quote, healing without energy depletion, unquote. Why am I somehow reminded of the movie Dr. Strange Glove? Anybody wants some? fluoride in their water. So what was this great insight? That there is a universal life energy. (sighs) Not that again. Another goddamn life energy. Can't these people come up with something new? Come on. Life energy. Okay. They have a life energy. So does chiropractic. So does acupuncture. Everybody has a life energy. What is this life energy doing? It's supporting the body's innate healing. They all do that. In other words, it does nothing. You can take away the support and the body does the healing just as well. Thank you very much. And this is the new buzzword. It supports. I see it on TV. The product supports breast health or supports the immune system or supports the prostate. And I have no idea what that means. It's medicine as a jockstrap. There is also, I think, reflects a difference between scam and reality-based practitioners. The unstated assumption of scams that there is a baseline for people that is perfect health, and that to be unhealthy is unnatural and must be the result of something gone wrong. I see health as a relative state. That the human, being a hodgepodge of evolutionary compromises and variation, is in a sea of germs, trauma, and cholesterol, is lucky to have good health. Our health is usually not perfect, it's just good enough. And it certainly does not need support. Again, from the NCCAM, Reiki is based on the idea that there is a universal energy that supports, supports the body's innate healing abilities. Practitioners seek to access this energy, allowing it to flow to the body and facilitate healing. So what do they do? Here is what they do. Quote, In a Reiki session, the client lies down and sits comfortably, fully clothed. The practitioner's hands are placed lightly or just above the client's body, palms down, using a series of 12 to 15 different hand positions. Each position is held for about 2 to 5 minutes until the practitioner feels the flow of energy, experiences sensations such as heat or tingling in the hands, has slowed or stopped. The number of sessions depends on the health needs of the client. Typically, that practitioner delivers at least four sessions of 30 to 90 minutes each. The duration of Reiki sessions may be shorter in certain healthcare settings, for example, during surgeries. End quote. Practitioners with appropriate training may perform Reiki from a distance. That is, those who are not physically present in the clinic or office. That's pretty good. That's what they do. They just stand there, they put their hands on you, and they wait around. Can you imagine standing around with your palms on someone for 90 minutes doing nothing? Talk about dull. As the NCCAM says, quote, Clients may experience a deep state of relaxation during a Reiki session. Bet your ass they do. I would love to lie down for 90 minutes and nap each day. You have to watch the YouTube video on how this is done. Now, some Reiki masters just sit there with their hands on their patients. Some, in what they call an attunement, they draw symbols in the air and then push them into the patient, like some sort of demented mime act without the humor. It's really what they do. They take their finger, they write in the air, and then they make a pushing motion, driving the air symbol in. You really have to see it to believe it. Now, can this Reiki energy be measured? Nope. Never. The energy that they are manipulating has never been able to be demonstrated by objective means. It could be that they have found a hitherto undiscovered mechanism that supports healing, or they could be fooling themselves and others. Which has the better odds, do you think? Is it clinically useful? Well, probably not, but let's see what the published medical literature has to say. I would expect Reiki therapy to have a non-specific result, Lying down, relaxing for half an hour to an hour and a half, while someone touches you, who's a caring person, is going to make you feel better. So I would expect people to feel well, non-specifically, from a Reiki intervention. Let's see what they have. Well, the first is one where they used it for breast biopsy in distress. And they found, much to my surprise, that it did not decrease anxiety. The one thing I would think that Reiki would do. Another study looked at anxiety in breast cancer, a, quote, pilot crossover trial of Reiki versus rest for treating cancer-related fatigue. They found that patients were more relaxed after Reiki, and I'm not surprised. Also, and this is interesting, they had an increase in salivary IgA levels. Now, why you would measure it and expect IgA levels to go up I do not know. And this is an, a problem with all studies in biological systems. That if you do enough measurements, you're going to get background noise that shows changes. And so picking a random lab test, you will find occasionally abnormal or changing in a group of patients. It's just part of baseline medicine. Another study was, quote, a phase two trial of Reiki for the management of pain in advanced cancer patients. Again, they had a nonspecific response. They had improved pain control at day one and four following treatment. But this is the interesting thing. No reduction in opiate use. They say their pain is down, but they continue to use the same amount of narcotics. See, whenever you have an objective measurement in an alternative medicine modality, when you have subjective improvements, you don't see what you would expect to be the objective change that supports the benefit. If you had decreased pain, really, you should be having decreased pain relief medications being consumed. I would argue that under these circumstances, you just think your pain is down. You're reporting it's down. But if you're taking the same amount of medication, I don't think you're having a decrease in your pain. Here's a Reiki one, effective Reiki treatments on functional recovery in patients with post-stroke rehabilitation. It did not have any clinically useful effect on stroke recovery, big surprise. Here's one where they used Reiki to decrease memory and behavior problems in Alzheimer's patients. They found that it helped behavioral problems. Again, no big surprise is a nonspecific effect. With demented patients, it would be kind of like petting a dog. It was a calming effect. And that's really about it. There have been two meta-analyses of Reiki and found Quote, the evidence is insufficient to suggest that Riki is an effective treatment for any condition. Therefore, the value of Riki remains unproven. So that's Riki, another scam made up with no benefit. Over and above what you would expect if you were to pet your dog, it would calm it down. I suppose Riki does violate one of the laws of the universe, and that these scams initially developed something from nothing. And that something is really nothing more than a method of transporting bits of green paper from one person to another. Now, at least with Reiki, while you do not move any imaginary energies, you do touch people. And that should have a beneficial calming effect. I was told as a medical student always to examine the patient, even if you didn't need to. Have a listen to the lungs, palpate wherever they have an issue, even if you know it is a waste of time. Touching people has a good effect on their attitude and their impression of their interaction with their physician. It's good to touch people, at least if you're not a Catholic priest. So how do you touch someone and not touch them? With therapeutic touch, where a touch doesn't matter. After homeopathy, therapeutic touch has to be the most idiotic form of scam ever devised. It is really, really stupid. Now, here's the history of therapeutic touch. Doris Krieger is a nurse and an RN and a professor of nursing. And she came to the conclusion, again, based on no data, that energy fields exist in human beings, that it was altered in illness, and that practitioners could feel this energy and alter it to allow the body to heal itself. God, I wish I was an alternative practitioner. As a doc, I gotta do something. As an ID doc, I have to diagnose and kill some germ or other. I don't get to let the body heal itself. It's like getting paid for the sun rising. And this has been very popular. Evidently, she has taught over 42,000 people how to do therapeutic touch, at least according to therapeutictouch.net. Over 100,000 people have been trained. At $250 a pot for the class, A $125 a pop for the CD. Man, do I need to get into alternative medicine. I know. You guys are saying, Oh, rich doctor complaining about alt-medicine. Believe me, medicine's not the lucrative field that it used to be. Especially not ID doctor. Because currently two out of five patients of mine have no insurance. And I don't get paid for them. So I get to work two days a week for nothing. I like to see a scam provider work two days a week for nothing. Now note in therapeutic touch, they don't touch you. They touch the biofield, the fancy schmancy suit of scientific term for an aura. They do not touch you. They touch your biofield and they do it by waving their hands around you. Like I say, at least the Reiki folks actually do a laying on of the hands. Therapeutic touch, they just wave their hands over you and you pay them real money. Do humans have biofields or auras? Not that can ever be measured. One therapeutic touch site says there are magnetic fields, but if so, they cannot be measured. If there are human biofields that are electromagnetic, they should be able to be as easily measured as the Voyager probe. Like so much of alt med, the alleged effect can only be seen or sensed by the practitioner when they know it is there. Dowsers can only find water if they know where the water is in advance. Therapeutic touch practitioners can only sense the biofield if they know they are touching someone, or at least their field. If blinded, they do not know where, or if, or whether there is a biofield and the ability to sense it disappears. Now, the plausibility of therapeutic touch, from what we know the way the world works, is nonsense. There are not energy fields that are altered when people are ill, and they cannot be altered by human interaction. Nobody has ever been able to consistently find a human aura. Or is there? Perhaps with an experiment, we could see if humans have fields that can be detected. And what would you need for such an experiment? A PhD? An MD? An RN? A professor somewhere? How about a fourth grader? That's how old Emily Rosa was at the time. She was nine years old and in need of a science project. So what she did is she had... Therapeutic touch practitioners put their hands through holes in a cardboard partition and tell her which hand she was placing her hand over, the left or the right. If they could detect an energy field, they should be able to tell which hand she was holding her hand over. And the answer, of course, was they couldn't detect the field. In fact, they were a little worse than chance. Are you smarter than a fourth grader? Not Doris Krieger. Emily went on to get this published in JAMA, and I think once you have an 11-year-old demonstrate conclusively in a great school science project that your basic premise is not true, it is time to quietly leave the theater. So what about the basic science or clinical trials to support waving your hands over someone can aid in healing? Maybe the theory is wrong, but it works due to some unforeseen mechanism. Could you postulate in advance that therapeutic touch would have benefit? I can think of two areas where you could get benefit from therapeutic touch. One, if you waved your hands vigorously, you could cool someone with hyperthermia. And two, if you lived in mosquito country, you could shoo away the mosquitoes indirectly preventing malaria or dengue. So I can see at least two potential benefits of therapeutic touch. What about the published literature? So let's go through the basic science and clinical literature on the efficacy of therapeutic touch. I suppose that the first one we should mention, of which much brouhaha was made over, was in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine. By the way, all these articles are published in third and fourth tier journals. There are no therapeutic or reiki studies published in high-quality peer-reviewed journals. This one looked at therapeutic touch, and it stimulates the proliferation of human cells in culture. They conclude from this study where they took two types of cells, one of which they waved their hands over and one of which they didn't, that those that they waved their hands over proliferated more. They concluded that therapeutic touch may stimulate cell growth. Now I refer you here to Respectful Insolence, one of the best blogs out there for discussion of this paper, which is far more erudite than I could ever manage. It appears that what they did in this article was that the data was analyzed with statistical analyses that were inappropriate and that when they used appropriate statistical analyses, the results were not significant. When the meat of the data is evaluated, It looks more like the random variation one sees in biologic systems than a true effect. I will tell you that once you start talking statistics, my brain's not big enough to help. I took and dropped statistics four times in college. So I'm going to weasel out here myself and refer you to skeptical insolence for a review of this study. Now, it may be true. Maybe waving your hands over cells does promote biologic growth. If so, these study will be reproduced by others in other labs, and it will be validated, and medicine as we know it will take a radical change. Again, like Ricky, I would expect therapeutic touch to have a calming effect on people. Having an interaction with a caring, compassionate human being makes people feel better, decreases anxiety, decreases pain. Part of being a doctor is pretending that I am a compassionate and caring human being instead of the heartless big pharma shill that I really am. It is so hard living a life of lies for <laughs> me. So, some of the therapeutic touch studies do show a decrease in anxiety and an increase in well being. This is not a surprise, it doesn't matter. Be it a therapeutic touch practitioner, a massage therapist, a healthcare professional, a prostitute, or one ape picking the nits off another, an interaction with another member of your species that cares or pretends to care has a beneficent effect. It's the same thing you get when you pet a dog. So I will grant you that therapeutic touch does that, but it is probably not because they are manipulating energy fields. Those of you who have been listening to this podcast and reading the science-based medicine entries know that I'm extremely skeptical about subjective endpoints that do not have objective corollaries. Positive interactions with other humans who pretend to give a rat's ass about your pathetic and pointless existence will almost always have a beneficial effect. Is there anything objective to what therapeutic touch can do? I digress here for an idea from the science-based medicine blog that I will quote in full. Because It applies not only to the science of scams, but to the paranormal in general. When you hear homeopathy in this quote, think therapeutic touch or acupuncture or any other scam. This is an important point, so here goes. Quote, viewing the big picture... I suppose I can say there is one useful function that trials of homeopathy serve, and that is to illuminate the deficiencies of evidence-based medicine and how our clinical trial system works. Again, the reason is that homeopathy is nothing more than water, and thus is an entirely inert placebo treatment. Consequently, any positive effects reported for or any positive correlations attributed to homeopathy must be the result of chance, bias, or fraud. Personally, I'm an optimist and as such tend to believe that fraud is uncommon, which leaves chance or bias. Given the known publication bias in which positive studies are more likely to be published and, if published, more likely to be published in better journals, I feel quite safe in attributing the vast majority of positive homeopathy trials either to bias or random chance. So, homeopathy... Let's us look at how a community of researchers can generate a body of published papers and even meta-analyze them and re-meta-analyze them in great detail in the absence of any actual phenomenon at all. It's a bit like growing bacteria in a petri dish in which you know there is nothing but auger. The sad conclusion I've come to is that it is very easy for intelligent, thoughtful scientists to see signals in random noise. I fear that an awful lot of published work in sensible fields of medicine and biology is probably just that as well. Homeopathy proves it can happen. The problem is we don't know what's nonsense and what isn't in any given field. It's a warning to scientists everywhere. End quote. Deep thoughts. Often what you find in the alternative medicine literature is basically scientific pareidolia you see things that aren't really there keeping that in mind let's go through the studies that have looked at therapeutic touch of course there's been meta-analyses and they show therapeutic touch has no efficacy okay fine we know from prior studies that meta-analyses only have a 50 50 chance of being correct when randomized controlled trials Now, there was a therapeutic touch study that looked at the efficacy of therapeutic touch and blood and hemoglobin levels, and they concluded that people on therapeutic touch raised their hemoglobin more than a control group. Again, this probably represents seeing patterns in random noise. The effects of therapeutic touch on biochemical and mood indicators in women in the ever-popular Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine. They looked at patients who had therapeutic touch, and they found a significant decrease in levels of nitric oxide in the experimental group by the third therapeutic touch session. Now, they only had 41 participants in this study, and again, probably finding background noise and attributing significance where none exists. Multisite site electromyographic analysis of non-contact therapeutic touch demonstrated that There were changes in some of the EMG readings in patients receiving therapeutic touch. When they looked at therapeutic touch and coronary bypass surgery recovery, they looked at six different outcomes, length of stay, atrial fibrillation, use of antiemetic medication, amount of narcotic pain medication, functional status, and anxiety, and found that in patients who had therapeutic touch, there was a difference in anxiety scores and length of stay when compared to controls. It was not that much. Several studies have looked at therapeutic touch and dementia and not found that it did much in the way of agitated behavior in patients with therapeutic touch. And therapeutic touch has had mild effects in functional ability in elderly patients with degenerative arthritis, as well as decrease in osteoarthritic pain in patients with DJD. And several studies listed in the reference part show that patients who get therapeutic touch who have cancer are more relaxed and have less anxiety. Another study looked at therapeutic touch and pain in burn patients. They found that they had a decrease in pain subjectively, but no decrease in pain objectively, i.e. as measured by use of narcotics. They also, for reasons that elude me, found that patients who got therapeutic touch had a decrease in their CD8 cells. What does that mean? Probably nothing. And finally, a study showed no efficacy for the treatment of carpal tunnel pain. So what can you say in summary of therapeutic touch? Well, most of the studies would show that it may decrease pain perception, although not objective pain, and decrease anxiety in patients in the hospital. They're more relaxed from the intervention. Also, to show that you can find significant and random noise, if you do enough biomarkers, one will be positive in one study and one will be positive in another. But if you note, no one has ever been able to reproduce in another lab any of these significant changes in the biomarkers found in these studies. Again, if you do enough tests, you'll find random noise that may or may not be significant. Every one of these studies suffers from too small, a subject size, and most importantly, a lack of a good placebo control. I think it would be difficult to do placebo control in someone with therapeutic touch, but clever people have come up with placebo control for acupuncture. I think you could probably come up with placebo control for therapeutic touch. If nothing else, putting the patient in a hood, and then waving your hands over them or not, would be simple enough study to do. So how do we summarize energy therapies of Reiki and therapeutic touch? There's no biologic plausibility. That interactions with human beings has a beneficial effect. That objective changes have never been reproduced. That there are grave methodologic problems in all the studies that it's unlikely, based upon the biologic plausibility, that any of these studies that have abnormal biomarkers will ever be reproduced, that the objective effects are at best minor, and that neither really work. We'd just like to comment here that this has been the most painful quack cast I have done. I have never read so many crappy studies by people that have little or no understanding of science. It's like when we were kids playing doctor or soldier. Such crap Rebecca Watson of STU fame started a website called Crap Based Medicine. Sometimes I wish I had called my podcast Crap Based Medicine instead, but too little, too late. So that's it. We're done. I hope you found this as boring as I did because, damn, this is a lousy literature. We're at the end of Quackcast, a review of supplements, complementary, and alternative medicine scams. Park 2 by Plusware, LLC the publisher of the Persiflage's the Annotated Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Dogma and Opinion at Pusware.com. We you also find the Infectious Disease Puscast, a review of infectious diseases twice a month, free CME. Don't forget my infectious disease blog there, Rubor, Dorlor, Kalor, Tumor. And I'm also a participant in the Science Based Medicine blog over at sciencebasedmedicine.org. This is copyright 2008 under the Creative Commons. The references are on the website. Send your hate mail, spam, and questions about quackery to knowitall at quackcast.com. I may or may not answer them. As I'm sure you know, I'm terrible at answering emails. But I do one of these days. Otherwise, the music is by my son when he was 12 improvising on the guitar. And as always, take care. Goodbye, guys.